According to demand metric, content marketing costs 62% less than traditional marketing and generates about three times as many leads. I'm Lidia Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyond Se Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we believe that your content is not serving its purpose unless it's optimized for conversion. podcast private legal marketing conversations grace welcome back how are you today good how are you leo very well grace thank you so much for asking super happy to be back here and ready to have a conversation with you same all right then let's get started grace for this week we both chose a topic that never ceases to be relevant right and that's writing good copy for your website so i think i actually found a very, very good article that I shared with you. And I think we both agree that it has some really good and basic tips that are applicable, that are easy to understand. And so, of course, we will be linking to the actual article itself, which was written by Julia McCoy. And let's get started, Grace, with 15 conversion copy tips that every SEO writer needs to know, right? And even though you're not necessarily SEO writers, if you are partaking in the content creation of your law firm, then you should see yourself as one because you want your content to drive results and drive traffic and hopefully conversions that who knows, maybe can drive new business. I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? That's right. All right. Excellent, Grace. So why don't you get us started with the first point? Let's start at the beginning. All right. So, you know, looking at the different ways that people can really write for SEO is, I think it's important to tell people, you know, we need to know who we're writing for. Um, And that kind of, you know, combines with some of the other things we'll be talking about as we go along. But, you know, to write real content, you need to know who your people are. I mean, I think that's pretty simple. What do you think, Leo? Yeah, 100%. We talk frequently about the importance of understanding who are your law firms by a persona, you know, Buyer persona. Exactly. I know we've talked about that a few times and, you know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a few ways to do that. And honestly, I think the way they, they lay it out in the article is to tell you that you should dig deep and identify at least I'd say three personas. And I can, you know, I can agree with that to a point that, you know, if you have three personas to develop or whatever it is that you're actually developing it's for the people that you're trying to target, right? Who are you writing for? Who is your community? Who are the people that are yeah. going to be looking for you? Yeah. And, and and obviously doing and setting up your buyer persona is something that you shouldn't start doing just because you're going to start writing an article. That's something that should be part of your marketing strategy as a whole, of course, right? Um, and basically, you just need to really look at your track record and see, well, who are our clients and what do they all share in common And why are we appealing to them? Why most of them are actually hiring us and other type of clients are not actually uh, gravitating towards us so much. And so basically you want to make sure that if you have identified that you're actually very appealing to a particular 
demographic group segment within your market, you identify them to a very granular point that you understand who they are, where they tend to live, what they tend to work, where they tend to work, what age group they are, and um, you're then using that context to actually create content that actually that's going to be relevant to them. So that is pretty much you know your baseline for everything. Of course, the content that you write in your website, but also to a whole other bunch of marketing activities. So right, Grace, I'm going to move on to this point number two, which I think it's super important, and it's understand the customer journey. Consider the customer journey. Who are you writing this article for and in which stage in their conversion journey, journey they are? And here's an example I can think of, Grace, right? There's going to be content that you're going to write, and I'm going to use personal injury as an example here, for people that have already been in a car accident and they are now looking at actually hiring a lawyer and they want to make a decision as to who's their best lawyer they can hire. But you're also going to have an audience on people that they may not have been in a car accident recently, but they want to make good decisions about how to be better insured. So if they are ever in a car accident, they're well protected, right? And so here you have two different stages in the consumer journey. One where you're just trying to position yourself as an authority to build trust and to educate your market so that if they ever need your help, they can actually know that you're going to be there to help them. But then the other case actually focuses very specifically to people that are actually in need of an attorney right now. And so your, your, the way that you're going to craft and um, the calls to actions that you're going to include on one article over the other are going to be different, right? What do you think, Grace? Definitely. I mean, you know, it, it goes hand in hand with what we were talking about. Know who you're writing for. And so the customer journey is the most important part when you're actually crafting the content. Like, where are they in the journey to reach you? Are they only at the awareness phase? Are they at the ready to buy phase or where? Yeah. And that's what you have to consider when you're doing the customer journey. Agreed. Absolutely, Grace. So do we want to move on to the next one? Yep. Yep. Okay. We'll very briefly touch on the one, you know, where it talks about make your audience a promise. Cause as we said, uh, before we even started, um, I feel like that kind of goes into the customer journey and writing the content for the user. So we can just very briefly talk about make your audience a promise. You know, you identified who they are, you know, your customer persona. So what you yeah. got to write for them. Yeah, I, I think Grace, make your audience a promise, right? Is a good opportunity to remind them what they can expect by taking you as their partner in whatever journeys that they're getting into, right? And while you may not be able to promise them that you're going to win their case, you can certainly promise that you will be available, that your team and you do everything in your hands to be able to provide the support and need and to, you know, do everything in your hands to get them the 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 best the possible results on the outcome. Correct. Yeah. So I think you certainly want to make sure that you are using that as an opportunity to make yourself stand out as to why um, they should consider you in their decision-making process as their partner. Now, Grace, I think the next one, and I think it's actually uh, two of these points that tie very nicely together. One of them is uh, think of your content like a construction site. 
And the other one is break up the monotony of text blocks. And I think, Grace, that they are both relate a lot to user experience. I think, you know, there's no mystery in saying that when you actually land into a page that just has a lot of text from top to bottom, you automatically get overwhelmed. But when you land into a page that has blocks of text, headlines, some graphs, it all becomes more digestible, more easy to read, more easy to navigate as well. I mean, to me, it's always been a super important concept as the user experience. And when someone lands on your website, it needs to be a fantastic foundation of content. And it has to be broken up so that people can actually follow it. I mean, think about, you know, somebody's age even, right? If I look at a website and I have problems with my eyes or my eyesight and there's tons and tons of text, I can't read that. I'm just going to close it out and I'm done. Yeah. In marketing, we have a term, you know, it's called graphic highlighting. So when you're breaking up and even on restaurant menus, right? Like if you see boxes everywhere and everything's boxed up and big boxes and stars and, you know, look at this, look at this, look at that. Don't you, doesn't your eye kind of rove all around the menu and you, at that point, you're like, I don't even know what to look at. It's the same concept as your website. Break it up, make it clean, make it easy for people, make, make it so that you want to read it. I mean, really, that's what it kind of boils down to, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely, Grace. I think um, you need to make sure that you're not overwhelming the user with a lot of distracting elements, but at the same time, you don't want to take an approach where you're just saturating the page with text and not actually making it a more uh, dynamic experience in the way that they read and the way that they are transitioning from one paragraph into another, add elements that are going to add to the experience and to understanding of the topic. And they not always not have to be infographics, which have been very popular over the past few years, right? You can use bullet points, you can use images, you can use screenshots again, right? From the examples that you're potentially talking about. So I, I think there is a lot of ways that you can do that. And it's important that you take that into consideration. Follow some good user experience uh, best practices. Now, Grace, um, let's move on into our next point. So the next point I know you and I kind of said that I feel like it really falls in with the content copy and, you know, customer journey and all of that. It's understanding your reader's level of awareness. So, I mean, I feel like we can kind of just skim past that one to the next one, which those are really more important to really to, to both of us, right? Where we talk about content all the time and, you know, the headers and this, that. So right. the next one, what it talks about is put more effort into your intro. And that ties in perfectly with the one below it, which is incorporate the latest headline best practices. In other words, make sure that the content is good and including the intro. I mean, I think most of us remember English class in elementary school, even where they told you <laughs> beginning, middle and end. All right, guys, beginning, middle and end. It's the same thing for your content. Your intro needs to be on point. It needs to grab their attention. Then, you know, why are they going to care? And then you got to move on to um, the closing. And I mean, it even starts, right? Obviously, it has to start with the headline, you know, the subject. What's What's the content about? Is it capturing people's attention enough to actually click on it and read? And that has a lot to do with the headline. And then you get into the content. So I think it's super important for people to really understand that when they craft content, 
there needs to be a clean, concise beginning, middle, and end, and that includes the subject line or the title of the page or whatever it is that you're looking at. It needs to be cut up in the right way and it needs to be appealing. And that includes when you're talking to somebody, you know, when you speak to somebody, don't you start at the beginning of something and then you, you want to keep their attention. So you keep telling them, you know, something that's important or why they should continue listening just naturally. And that same thing has to translate to your uh, content on your website. I totally agree with you, Grace, and I 100% believe that you need to start with a bang, right? You want to make sure that you're capturing your audience. You want to keep them reading. You want to give them enough information to keep them hooked. And just going back again to the uh, structure of the uh, way that you create your content, um, use that in order to create more interest as the way that you are writing your text. Want to keep them hang, uh, wondering, right? What's, you know, let's move on to the next paragraph. Let's see what's going to be written next. So um, it 100% is important to set the tone at the beginning and definitely put up statements that are going to be attention grabbing to the point that the reader was going to want to continue reading. So Grace, let's move on into... I'm going to skip number nine because it's about actionable copy. And I think we're going to uh, eventually going to talk a little bit more about CTAs and then we can talk about actionable copy at the same time. But I really like this one and I think you did as well. And this is use you language. And it's such a basic one, right? But it helps you connect in such a level with the reader and make it personal. And I think that is really a big differentiator and it's definitely, it definitely helps a lot with engagement. So, yeah, I mean, I took AP English. So for me, when it comes to writing and writing for the reader, it's always been super important to engage them, right? And how do you engage somebody? You talk about them. You know, how is right. it going to affect them? Not, I, I will do this. I will explain. I will show you. No, 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 no. What do you think about this? You think this is going to land you at the top of Google, as they say in the article? Think again. So you're speaking to the person in your writing. You are not speaking about what you're going to write about and how you're going to do this and that. No, I am explaining to you about you and how this information is going to help right. you. Yeah, Totally, 100%. It changes completely the um, perception, how it is received when it's uh, written in that form. Grace, let's move on to the next one. So the next one is, it's kind of interesting. Um, it kind of combines with some of the other things, even like uh, CTAs and that kind of stuff. Because I, when I talk to people about actionable copy and CTAs and everything like that, I talk about... Uh, using proper language. And what they're talking about here in number 11 is dig deep for better verbs and adjectives. So it, it's, I know it's hard for people when they're not really thinking grammatically, right? Because we're not all English teachers or we haven't all taken AP English. I mean, yeah. most of us are used to using spell check and grammar check on yeah. the editor, right? So yeah. it's important to remember that when you are writing, it, it can't be boring, right? So yeah. How do you totally. make things interesting, Leo? How do we do that? With verbs and adjectives, right? It's how we describe yeah. actions and we describe people or things. So yeah. think about when you're trying to describe something that makes you excited and apply that to your writing. Because I'm sorry, but if someone writes, 
oh yeah, that thing, uh, how's that go? Blah, 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 blah. I'm, I lost interest after the first thing that you said. Now, if you say, oh, it's extremely difficult to do this, you know, that's a little bit more spiciness to the conversation, right? Why is it extremely difficult? You're, you know, what, what adjective are you going to use next? Or what verb no. are you going to use to describe that? What do you think about that? It's not just about delivering your message in the easiest and most reduced format of it. It's all, it, it's all about connecting with the reader. And I think it's super important when you're writing that you're setting a mood, right? You're actually using the opportunity of your text to actually explain to your audience that you understand the intricacies of what they go through that you understand exactly how things look like, how do they feel, how do they happen, how do they evolve when they are at a certain stage. And then you want to be as descriptive as to how things continue to evolve and transition as they're moving into different stages. So verbs, adjective help you create that mood, set that scene, right? And so that's super important. And that basically ties very well with what the point number 12 is, which is become a storyteller. I think we've all seen and heard the example of like, you need to be able to explain things like the most efficient approach that there is out there, or one of the most effective ones is like following the Disney sample, which is like the once upon a time there was this, this princess and every day she would do these. So one day this happened and then this happened and finally this was the outcome. And so I may have wrongly delivered some of the, some of the steps in there, but I guess, I guess you, you get the, the, the idea. Storytelling, it's just a great way of actually not just engaging your reader, but actually bringing messages across in an efficient and effective way right? Not for everything that you're going to write, you're going to have an antagonist, but when there is, make sure that you are leveraging, uh, positioning your antagonist and be descriptive about it and such, right? Be that the insurance companies, be that other type of roadblocks that could be on your reader's way. And so you want to address them and you want to make sure that you're descriptive about who and what they are. Of course. I mean, you need to, people want to see they, they do want to see a story or at least something that's appealing. And that's the whole point of engaging content, you know, to, to include things that make them want to continue reading, things that make it easy for them to read, but also stuff that is exciting to read, at least to a degree, meaning yeah. it's solving my problem. It's it, it has to be interesting, Grace. I mean, most of people, they're not, they're not engaging um, in... Technical documents. <laughs> they want to get informed. They, they and, 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 and I think, you know, that... That's what your blog post should be doing. They should be conversational. They shouldn't be feel like an essay that you would hand at law school. So I think it's important to differentiate that. Now, Grace, let's move on, right? Because we have a couple of, well, actually three more points to go. And one of them, which I think really relates very well to what we've just mentioned, which was maintaining positivity, I think particularly as a business and one that's job is to offer solutions, it's very important that um, there's always has to be a light at the end of the tunnel, right? I think there may be a few exceptions where you don't necessarily need to show that type of emotion, but in most cases you do because that's what you are for your clients, I guess. Most of the times you're a problem solver 
So uh, positivity is something that I think needs to be communicated and needs to be present, particularly in some in some specific uh, points throughout the, the the text. And I think that's a really good segue into the next one, right? Which is your your calls to actions. And I'm going to bring back another point that was just skipped intentionally, so we can talk about it here, which is right. Yeah, right, actionable copy. So Grace, explain a little bit why it's uh, important to have actionable copy in CTAs. So, I mean, you got to make the ask, right? I mean, in sales and marketing and just about anything we do, completely do, period, you have you need to always be closing. And I know a lot of people hate that terminology because it's more of a sales terminology, but truthfully, that's what it is. You got to make the ask. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes it a little easier for people to uh, absorb when you say it that way rather than, you know, always be closing. And it's it's because if you don't make the ask, how do I know what action I'm supposed to take at the end of what I just read? I mean, am I going to, you know, finish reading something? And then if you don't tell me that you're the you're not not necessarily the expert, but at least you're the one that can help me with what you just solved. I'm going to probably go somewhere else having that knowledge in the back of my head. I may just go search someone else another day and say, oh, look, this person told me to call them right away. You know, and I know this sounds somewhat simplistic, but the reality of it is if you don't make the ask, you won't get. So a call to action is that. It is making the ask that you want them to do. What do you want them? What action do you need your, your person to take on your content? I totally think that it's correct, Grace. And I think it's important also to go back to the user, uh, to 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 in which stage the user is on their uh, journey, right? Uh, your call to action needs to be relevant to the text that you're writing. Obviously, if you're writing, and uh, going back to the example that I gave, if, if you're writing an article as to how to be well insured, um, then chances are that, again, the person has not yet been into a car accident. So there's really no point in you writing down at the end of an article like this to give you a call so you can help them out with their car accident. Um, I think it's more important to focus more on the actionable elements that you can say, right? And so that could be a list of things. So uh, contact your insurance, make sure that you have this coverage, add this coverage, get quotes from additional providers, and that sort of thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be and a CTA that leads to conversion because there, that's not a present on every single step of the journey. Now, another thing that we've mentioned, Grace, as we were discussing this before the podcast, is that sometimes the CTA is an, is an introduction to another piece of content, right? Or an invitation to explore more information in another section of your site so they can get more education. Again, that's why it's important that you understand your user journey and understand where they're most likely to convert and where is it important that you actually actually have calls to action that are going to be relevant to users who are engaging with particular type of copy, right? And that's why practice areas are important to be very, very conversion-centered uh, optimized, whereas your blog articles, again, they're more informative and what you're trying to do is um, provide uh, valuable educational information to your audience and then guiding them through gathering as much information as they need on a particular topic so that they can end up converting when they're ready. And so that's why uh, managing through your CTS and actionable content is going to be important. And Grace, our last point, 
What is it? Oh, it honestly, it's funny because it ends end your content, right? So the last point 15 is end your content with powerful closing sentences. So, you know, once you get to the end of something, you know, and, and they're what they're saying here is at the end of a race, they don't just stop right before, right? The finish line. Nobody does that. Let's say you're 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 trying to get to the end. And I'm sure most of us, even as kids, like used to race our friends and that type of stuff. You wouldn't pull up at the end. No, you'd put the last bit of your energy and you want to get that fit get over that finish line with every last bit that you have. That's the same concept with the end of your content. Don't just fizzle it out. End it with something that pushes it over the finish line for your reader, engages them, makes them do something. And it's basically your closing remarks, right? And in a trial, let's make this a little easier for the attorneys that might be listening. In a trial, when you have your closing argument, isn't don't you put all of your salient points, everything that was super important, and you bring it into a summary at the end, and that's how you, you finish with a bang. That's the same concept with your content. You need to finish with a bang. What do you think, Leo? Yeah. Yeah, Grace, I, I said you, you start with a bang, you definitely need to finish with um, an impactful statement. And again, going back, you want to make sure that you're keeping your tone positive. And I think 100%, you, you want to make sure that you combine, you balance out the ending, whether it's by your actionable content, your CTA, and your closing statement there to really have some sort of level of an impact. So um, again, I mean... You see, it's another episode where we're talking about the importance of putting a lot of thought into your content. That's why um, it's such a central and critical element of SEO strategies. It's a balance, right, between really having the right type of content and then having the right technical optimizations to uh, let that content shine. So, Grace, you know, I think this is a good reminder of what are the trends, what is actually what makes for great content, what are some of the ideas that you should keep in mind, principles, best practices you should definitely keep in mind as you are considering writing new content for your website? Grace, let's go with our takeaways, right? We've just went through 15 points. Let's, let's talk in more simple terms. What are three things that we can do for better content on our sites? So three very good and actionable things that you can do is start with a bang, right? I mean, actually, I, I think we need to put that towards the end because really you need to look at your customer journey and who your personas are. I think that's number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say, you know, engage the reader from, from, from the get-go. Make sure that your title is appealing and make sure that after they go through your title, the first paragraph they read hooks them up and makes them want to read the rest, right? So, um, again, that goes back to be a storyteller, be uh, descriptive, use uh, adjectives to set the scene, and that's definitely going to help you in making your content interesting to the reader. So, great point, Grace. Let's move on to point number two. And I would like to go for this one because I do want to bring up um, the importance of understanding who you're writing for, your buyer personas. And as part of understanding who your buyer personas is, you should also use that information to understand how their buyer journey looks like, right? What are the different touch points that they're likely to have with you so that you can write content that is specific for those different stages? So again, 100%, if you are writing uh, content 
primarily for an audience that uh, they are a head of household or married, right? You want to definitely make sure that you're using examples that are relevant for them so that you are going back to engaging them and going back to the point of using the you one, you can use examples that are actually going to be specific to them and relevant to them because there's no point in you using the you language when they're not actually going to be relevant to them, right? One more. Or do you need to add anything else to that one, Grace? No, because I think, you know, they, hopefully by now they understand that if you don't have in mind who you're writing for, you can't do anything. I mean, that's where it starts. You need to know, you know, who your personas, you know, why you're writing this and who they are. Do you don't, do you agree? Mm-hmm. I do. Okay, good. Um, okay. So I feel like the next one would be just like we ended it. It's got to end the same way. Powerful closing sentences, CTAs, and when you're writing these things, end the content, like bring it together and finish it up. And to me, that also includes when, you know, breaking it up, making sure the headline is good, but the very end part of it is where they're going to finish, hopefully, right? So when they finish there, what action are they going to take? Include that, include that CTA, that call to action. That is what it stands for. You need to include it. And I think that people miss the mark so many times when they have this wonderful, beautiful piece of content that people enjoyed throughout, and then they are left at the end with nothing to do with that content. Yeah, you definitely need to make sure that if an, uh, a call to action is suitable, it's there, it's present. If it's a selection of other topics of interest, there are available for the reader as well to be able to uh, move on to next. And obviously, you want to make sure that your content itself has actionable insights within so that it's actually something that at the end of it all, they can say has helped them to improve something in their troubleshooting journey, no matter which stage they are. So Grace, I think we're at the end of another conversation and we'll be back next week. That's right. Next week's another week for us. All right, Grace. Thank you very much and have a great rest of your day. You too, Leah. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week.